Good morning, Mac family. I get a chance to introduce to you Chris Williams. Chris is a dear friend of mine, a brother that has uh, almost completed his PhD studies in New Testament at Boston College, but don't let uh, his educational brilliance fool you. See, I met Chris when we were at a seminary together and uh, Chris would, to, to be able to make ends meet, he would go around cleaning fish tanks. Yeah, like fish tanks. People got some bomb fish tanks. And his brother would get down, get dirty, and make it happen in order to provide. And that, like, humility uh, has always been present uh, within Chris. And so while he is studying at the highest level of education, uh, he has remained uh, committed to the beauty of God's word and living that out in a humble manner. I'm honored to have him and his beautiful wife, Jennifer, and their uh, two lovely boys uh, as, as people that we can call friends. So uh, we I pray that you're encouraged in the gospel by my brother, Chris Williams. Love you, MacAv. Good morning, MacAv family. My name is Reverend Christopher Williams. I'm originally from Dallas, Texas, but I currently live in Boston, Massachusetts with my beautiful wife, Jennifer, and our two sons, Athanasius and Christian. I'm grateful that I'm able to come before you today and, and share the word of God with you. I'm thankful for the invitation from a good friend of mine and brother in the ministry, Pastor Leon. I'm thankful that he allowed me to come before you and to, and to trust me to be able to speak a word before his congregation. I pray that one day soon that I will be able to actually come to Detroit and visit MacAv in person and fellowship with you guys and to really, really worship the Lord together in person. We, I think we all look forward to that day, and I pray that that day comes sooner than later. But without further ado, I would like to move forward and, and look at the text that we're going to be um, focused on this morning. This morning, I want to preach from a somewhat familiar passage, uh, maybe familiar to some, maybe new to others, but it's found in the New Testament. It's found in Paul's correspondence with the church in Philippi. So this morning we're going to be looking at Paul's epistle to the Philippians, chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 10 through 13. Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, or Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. I'll be reading in your hearing from the New International Version. The text reads, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned for me. But you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Verse 13, I can do everything, some versions say all things, through the one, the one being Christ, who strengthens me. I want to lift up that uh, verse 12 one more time just for emphasis. 
I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. Here's where I really want us to focus this morning. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether we're well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. This morning, I want to preach from the topic, finding contentment in the midst of contention. Finding contentment in the midst of contention. Will you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy, Lord. We thank you, God, that you still speak to your people. We thank you, God, that you are a good God and a loving God. And so right now, God, I pray that as we come to the preaching moment, God, that your spirit would just abound. That you would effuse these feeble words of mine with your power. That these words might go forth before your people and bear fruit. Hide me behind the radiant and redemptive cross. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my God, you are my redeemer. And I ask all these things in the only name that matters. The name of Jesus and the people of God say amen. Amen. Finding contention. Finding contentment in the midst of contention. In 1958, the late Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. penned his first book called Strides Towards Freedom. In this book, he chronicled the struggle yet ultimate success of the 1954-1955 Montgomery bus boycott. In one of the chapters, in, in, in one of the book chapters, he describes a very intimate yet chilling ordeal. King recalled that one night towards the end of January, he was settling, bed, settling in bed after a long day of work. Coretta and his older daughter, Yolanda, had already fallen asleep. Right as he was getting ready to doze off, the phone rang. He answered the phone and an angry voice remarked on the other end of the phone, Listen here, you, N-word. We've taken all we want from you. Before next week, you'll be sorry you ever came to Montgomery. He hung up the phone, but he could not go back to sleep. King stated that in that moment, all of his fears came down upon him at once. He had reached the saturation point. He climbed out of bed and he began to pace back and forth in the kitchen. He then went over and fixed himself a, a pot of coffee and he began to think about how he would be able to quit the movement without seeming like a coward. He was exhausted. He was overwhelmed. Dr. King remarked that at that very moment, almost all of his courage had left him. I'm sure the Apostle Paul made a, may have felt similarly while he sat locked away in a Roman prison and penned this letter to the church at Philippi. Now, when Dr. King reached what he labeled the saturation point, he was not in a Roman prison facing execution. 
However, both King and Paul found themselves in highly stressful and smothering situations. The apostle was surrounded by members of the Imperial Guard. His movement was restricted. His food was rationed to him. He was physically imprisoned, and it was a good possibility that he was going to be executed. Not only was he physically confined, but he was also being persecuted by some who felt that his imprisonment was justified because he was a false teacher. He was in prison physically, and he was marginalized socially. We can conclude that as Paul sat down and penned this letter to the church at Philippi, that on all sides he found contention. Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt that on all sides of you there's contention or, or struggle? Have you ever felt that you constantly leave one difficult situation only to enter into another one? Have you ever become discouraged because every time you go to the doctor, you end up getting an unfavorable report? You find yourself constantly fighting a new medical battle. Maybe you lost your employment due to COVID-19. You've been looking for employment, and it just seems like all the doors that you find are closed. Maybe you struggle with depression. And every time it seems like, like, like you feel like you're about to get ahead or you're about to move forward, every time you find yourself feeling like you're, you're making some progress, negative thoughts begin to play your mind, and you find yourself feeling alone, discouraged, and defeated. No matter how much we serve the Lord and, and try to be faithful to our God, at times we will find ourselves surrounded by contention. Contention uh, describes a struggle or a conflict, discord, difficulty. Contention can refer to the different things that we have to struggle and fight against as we journey through this thing we call life. So what do we do? What do we do when we find ourselves constrained by contention and straddled by struggle? I believe that Paul gives us a little insight into an answer of this, to this question in our text. As I said, Paul writes this text to the church at Philippi while he's in prison in Rome. He writes this letter from a contentious environment. Yet scholars note that this is one of his most joyous letters. The word rejoice is found in Paul's letter to the Philippians nine times in just the four chapters that comprise the letter. If we discount 2 Corinthians, Paul uses the word rejoice in Philippians more than all his other letters combined. How is a man who's in prison possibly facing execution able to <coughs> rejoice? It's simple. Paul is able to find contentment in the midst of his contentious circumstances. 
So how do we follow that model of Paul and find contentment in the midst of our difficult circumstances? How do we find contentment in the midst of a life determined and influenced by COVID-19? How do we find strength to continue to be, to be content when we're contending with times of lack and times of abundance? How do we find contentment when we're contending with the good days and also the bad days? So Paul, he's in prison. His predicament is bleak. And in this particular portion of the letter, he's thanking the Philippians for their contribution, probably a financial contribution or their support to his ministry. Now, as he acknowledges his gratitude for their continued support, he makes a very interesting comment. He says that I'm thankful that you all gave me this support but I didn't really have a need. His predicament gives the appearance that he's in dire need of assistance. Yet he says that he's not in need. Now at first glance, it appears that Paul may be suffering from disillusions, some disillusioned state, because how can a person who's in a predicament that he's in say that they don't have a need? If every time I go and I check my bank account and I realize that I have more month than money, how can I say that I don't have a need? If I'm dealing with the terrible process of going through chemotherapy treatments or having to undergo dialysis, how can I say that I don't have a need? How do I say that I don't have a need when everything around me suggests that I have plenty of needs? So Paul says that although my outer circumstances appear like I'm in dire need, I've come to understand that my circumstances should not determine my outlook. Just because my situation appears hopeless, it doesn't mean that I have to be hopeless. Paul writes that in whatever circumstance, I have to contend with, I've learned to be content, <clears throat> content. Now this Greek word, uh, which the NIV and the NRSV translate as content is, is, is quite intriguing. The term often conveys an idea of someone being self-sufficient. So during Paul's time, this term was used often to, de to describe individuals who did not have to depend on others. They were not overly controlled by the circumstances that they encountered in life. So in essence, they were free. Right? I, I guess a good modern description of, uh, of what this word tried to capture are Maybe those, um, you know, the carefree individuals that kind of like they will just reduce all their possessions to a bag and just travel to travel around the country carefree, not worrying about working, 
They eat wherever they eat. They sleep wherever they sleep. Just carefree. Not depending on anything. So in essence, these, this word was used to describe people who, who aren't overly controlled by circumstances that they encountered in life. That is, they were able to distinguish between the things that they could control and the things that they could not control. That's the, that's the heart of it. Not that they just lived carefree, but they had learned to let go of stuff that they couldn't control and only focus on things that they could. So this word that we find translated in verse 11, which uh, is often translated content, describes a person who can properly discern between the things that they can control and the things that they cannot control. The concept that I'm, I'm trying to get at is properly communicated in the well-known serenity prayer uh, authored by Reinhold, Reinhold Niebuhr. We, many of us know this prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, but here's the key part, the wisdom to know the difference. So when the translators, are, the, the translators are rendering this word content, they're trying to capture this concept. They're trying to capture the concept of being able to focus on what you can't control while not worrying about what you can't. <clears throat> For the English speaker, us native English speakers, contentment can describe our ability to find peace in whatever situation we are dealing with. The secret to contentment is to focus on what we have and what we can control and not on what we don't have and what we can't control. When we focus on what we have, we're able to be thankful to God for what he's provided us. Sometimes God may not give us exactly what we want, but he provides us with what is sufficient. <clears throat> I'm pretty sure that God wanted, that Paul wanted God to free him from prison. But if most scholars are correct that Paul died as a result of this imprisonment, then that, that, that particular prayer wasn't answered in, the, in, the, in, the, in terms of freedom from prison. Paul even notes, Paul even notes in, a, in, 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 uh, in another text that, that, that he had a thorn in the flesh and he prayed to God over and over for God to remove that thorn, and yet God never removed it, but said that his grace is sufficient. So God sometimes may not always answer the prayers or give us the things that we want, but God usually will give us what we need to endure. God might not heal you from that arthritis, but he could give you a cane and allow, I give you the strength to still get around. God did not take away the heartbreak that I experienced when my father passed a few years ago and I had to stand up there and give the eulogy. 
God did not take away the pain that I felt in that moment, but he gave me the strength to preach that eulogy with conviction and inexpressible joy. When we focus on and are satisfied with what God does provide us, we're able to learn how to be content even in the midst of contention. You know, when, it, when, when Pastor Leon introduced me before, before my time to, to, to preach the sermon, he mentioned that while I was in seminary, I used to work, I used to clean fish tanks. Now, when I cleaned fish tanks in seminary, I worked for a family. It was a family business. Now, I would go out, it was my job to go out to the different businesses and homes in which they had accounts, and I would service the fish tanks in those homes and businesses. Now, the family was one of the nicest families that you would ever come into contact with. The husband who ran the business, he was always fair, sometimes more than fair in his dealings with me. He had a lovely wife who was, um, who was very friendly, who would sometimes fix me cookies and give me all kind of fruit baskets after my work day, and she would allow me to take those things home. He had two wonderful sons, just a beautiful, God-loving family, special family. Now, as I got to know this family a, a little bit more, I came to find out that, that his wife, the wife, was suffering from breast cancer. Not only that, but one time when they went on a camping trip into New Hampshire, their youngest son was bit by a tick and subsequently developed Lyme disease. The Lyme disease got so acute that he couldn't even shake someone's hand because he would have excruciating pain in his shoulders. I watched that family contend with these two horrible situations, the wife, the wife and mother who has breast cancer and a son who's dealing with debilitating Lyme disease, they contended with these two difficult circumstances. And yet, if you did not know they were going through these difficult things, you would never know that they were suffering. <clears throat> Excuse me. You would never know. One day I asked the wife, how do you keep such a good spirit? in the midst of the trials that your family's facing. She simply told me, I'm content with what the Lord has blessed me with. I have a beautiful house. I have wonderful husband and kids. I have food on my table. I still have life in my body. She said that although I might be suffering, I found contentment in the midst of my she said, I don't focus on the fact that I, I have breast cancer. I focus on the fact that every day I wake up is another day to enjoy what God has blessed me with. I focus on the fact that every day I wake up, I get a chance to love my family, that we're able to be content with what we have. Here's a family that we're dealing with two incredible hardships. Yet they were able to be content by focusing on all the good things that God had provided them with. 
when we're satisfied with what God has provided us, we're able to be content even in the midst of contention. Now, when we are content, we will also notice that we experience better emotional health. When we're content, we have better emotional health. We can manage disappointments and frustrations in in healthy ways. We can be more self-aware when it comes to our responses to stressful situations or challenging people. Lord knows with with, with, with the transition to online school in my house, sometimes it can get real stressful. It can get real stressful. It can be a challenge. But when we find contentment, we're able to experience things like joy and peace, even in difficulties. More importantly, we can con- develop a consistent outlook of Gratitude. Gratitude is not just thankfulness, but it's a healthy alternative to anger, resentment, bitterness, and frustration. When we don't have gratitude, when we don't have an attitude of gratitude, frustration and bitterness can cause us to isolate ourselves. It also leads to a constant confrontation with the the ones that we love. But not only that, bitterness and frustration blinds us to the blessings that God gives us every day. When we fail to see God's daily blessings, we, we fail to receive them with an attitude of thanksgiving. If we're not thankful for the blessings that God constantly pours out into our lives, then we feel like we never have anything to praise God for. We become bitter. We become resentful. We find ourselves always being angry. I'm sure Paul could have been been resentful. God, I've done all this for you. I've done all this for your kingdom, and yet here I go sitting in a Roman jail. Falsely accused. Henry Nouwen once wrote, Gratitude at its deepest level embraces all of life with thanksgiving. The good and the bad. The joyful and the painful. The holy and the not so holy. Finding contentment helps us to reach the deepest level of gratitude. It helps us to embrace all of life's ups and downs the good days and the challenging days with the spirit of thanksgiving. I'm sure that uh, the Apostle Paul experienced some great and exhilarating, exhilarating days as he led masses to Christ during his missionary endeavors throughout the Roman Empire. However, here he is writing to the, writing to the Philippians, incarcerated and facing execution. Yet he's rejoicing. Paul is locked in a Roman jail. He's facing execution. Yet he has joy. His ability to be content, despite the contention of his situation, creates in him an attitude of gratitude. When we're able to stop focusing on the difficulty of our situation, we're able to focus more on God 
And once we focus on God, we can see that the Lord is our light and our salvation, that we have nothing to fear. The Lord is the stronghold of our lives. Whom shall we be afraid of? We can say, despite what my situation looks like, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not be in want. He that began a good work in me will complete it in the day of Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but when I think of the goodness of the Lord and all that he's done for me, I can stop complaining about my lack. I can stop complaining about my heartache. I can stop complaining about my difficulties, but I have to lift up holy hands and I open up my mouth and I say, thank you for the good times. Thank you for the difficulty times. Thank you for you've been so good to me. Despite what I've been through, he'll help me find contentment in the midst of my contention. In other words, we can trust in the fact that God is faithful. That's the anchor. That's the truth that we anchor our lives in even when we face difficulty, that God is faithful. No matter what we've been through in our lives, if, we're, if you are sitting here under the sound of my voice, then the, your very presence is a testimony to the faithfulness of our God. Some of us have dealt with loss. God brought us through. Some of us have dealt with sickness. God brought us through. Some of us have dealt with heartache. God brought us through. The road you have traveled may not be easy, but if you take an honest assessment of your life, you will be able to observe the fact that when you felt like you weren't going to make it, God gave you strength to move forward. gave him strength. He gave you strength to move forward. When we're satisfied with what God has provided us, we're able to learn how to be content in the midst of difficulty. We're able to learn how to be content even in times such as COVID-19. When we're content, when we develop that contentment, Despite our situation, we can develop gratitude, which keeps us from being angry and bitter and resentful. But how? How do we not succumb to the spirit of depression or negativity when we find ourselves suffering from lack? Because that's real. How do we find contentment by being satisfied with what God has provided us when it feels like the provisions aren't enough? How are we content when it feels like the provisions aren't enough? How do we adopt an attitude of gratitude when contention is all around us and it's overwhelming? How do we remain content in every situation that may come our way? The secret to finding contentment in the midst of contention is learning that God will provide you with the strength that you need to endure whatever situation 
new face. He will do it. Now, one of the main ways that we access, right? We access this strength is through prayer. Prayer allows us to focus our minds and thoughts on God. When we submit things to God in prayer, we're at the same time relinquishing our control over the situation. I don't know about you, but but I've come to realize that sometimes things just are out of my control. And sometimes I have to give over to these things over to God in prayer. Sometimes I just have to say, God, I can't do it. And I need you to take control. Can't do it. And I need you to take control. And that's where we find Dr. King in his book, Strides Towards Freedom. I begin this sermon talking about Dr. King receiving a chilling phone call and how he found himself in his kitchen discouraged looking for a way out of the movement. He says that in that moment of despair, in that moment, in that saturation point, he decided to take his problem to God. He bowed his head over the kitchen table. He lifted up his voice and said, God, I'm here taking a stand for what I believe is right. But now I'm afraid. The people are looking for me looking to me for leadership. And if I stand before them without strength, there goes that word, and courage, they too will falter. I'm at the end of my powers. I'm at the end of my powers and I have nothing left. I've come to the point where I can't face it alone. Dr. King says that at that very moment, he felt the presence of God like never, like he had never experienced it before in his life. He felt the quiet assurance of God saying, and I quote, stand up for righteousness, stand up for truth, and God will be by your side forever. And just like that, his strength was renewed, his faith was reinvigorated, his uncertainty disappeared, and he was ready to face in it. I'm here to tell you, my brothers and sisters, on this morning that the same God that strengthened Dr. King and allowed him to lead the Montgomery bus boycott to victory is the same God that will give you strength to deal with whatever comes your way. The same God that was with Paul as he sat in that Roman prison facing the execution is the same God that will be with you throughout whatever, through, no matter whatever you go through in your life. The same God that strengthened Paul while he was in jail is the same thing that was strengthening you while you go through what you go through. No matter what situations we face in life, no matter what lies ahead in the next weeks, days, years, months, we must always remember that our God is bigger than our situation. We must always remember that we serve a God who has all power. 
in his hand. And while a situation may seem like it's too big for us, it will never be too big for God. When you find yourself in the midst of a situation that seems out of control, when you find yourself feeling like you can't make it, you have to remind yourself that there is one that is living on the inside of you who will sustain you in your time of need. You have to remember that the God who you serve will give you strength to endure all situations you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength when you find yourself being alone the Christ who strengthens you will be your companion when you find yourself feeling depressed the Christ who strengthens you will encourage your spirit when you find yourself lacking in provisions the Christ who strengthens you will be your provider when you find yourself feeling like sickness will overtake you the Christ who strengthens you will be your healer when you find yourself overtaken by fear the Christ who strengthens you will be your protector when you find yourself wanting to give up in life the Christ who strengthens you will renew your strength when you're dealing with heartbreak and heartache the Christ who strengthens you will be the mender of your broken heart when you feel like you're bound in chains the Christ who strengthens you will be your liberator no matter what situations you face in life you can do all things through the Christ who strengthens you the Christ who strengthens How do we find contentment in the midst of contention, in the midst of struggle, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of the uncertainty that comes with COVID-19? How do we find contentment? We rely on the strength of God. We can be satisfied with what God has provided us. When we rely on the strength of God, we can be satisfied with what God has provided us. We can be content. And when we're content, we can walk with the, with the attitude of gratitude. We can rejoice no matter what situation we find ourselves in. And lastly, if we trust in God, he will give us strength when we need to persevere and endure any situation that we face. We find contentment in the midst of contention. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for your promises. We thank you, God, that the promises of God are always yea and amen. We thank you, God, that our situation does not determine, does not have to determine our outlook. We thank you, God, that even when situations look bleak, even look, when it looks like we have lack, Lord, that you provide. Help us to focus on what you've given us. Help us to be thankful every day for all that you do for us day by day. Help us to walk in contentment knowing that no matter what we face, the God 
who loves us and gave himself for us will strengthen us and allow us to endure all things. Thank you, MacAff family, for allowing me to come before you and share the word of God. I look forward to meeting you sometime soon in the near future. God bless you.